let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. I go, I go, aha. Once upon a time, there was a king named King Midas. He had a beautiful kingdom, a lovely wife, and many loyal citizens. But in spite of all these good things, there was one thing King Midas didn't have. He didn't have a lot of money. And though he had a beautiful kingdom, a lovely wife, and many loyal citizens, King Midas wasn't happy because he didn't have money. He didn't feel blessed. So one day, God decided to teach King Midas a lesson about blessing, and God sent an angel down to King Midas, and the angel said to King Midas, God has sent me to grant you any one wish that you want. Tell me what you want, and it will be done for you. Well, King Midas didn't have to think long about that. He knew what he wanted. He wanted to be rich. If he were rich, he would be happy. And he didn't want to just be temporarily rich. He wanted a means that would supply him with all the money he would ever need at any time forever in his life. So King Midas said this, I want to be granted the power that anything I touch will turn to gold. Well, the angel agreed and granted his request, and suddenly King Midas was transformed. From that moment on, everything and anything he touched turned to gold. Think about that for a moment. It was an amazing and remarkable gift. King Midas went into his garden, and he touched a flower, and instantly it became gold. He touched a tree, and it turned to gold. He touched ordinary rocks, and they turned to gold. King Midas got excited, thinking about all the money he was going to make from selling all that gold and it would never end. He rushed into his palace and started touching his books, his chair, his clothes, his furniture. Everything turned to gold. <laughs> he was really blessed. So he sat down to eat because he was hungry after all that work. But when he reached and grabbed a piece of fried chicken, it turned to gold. He grabbed his goblet to drink the wine, but it turned to gold. And suddenly King Midas began to realize that maybe he had made a mistake. He realized that if everything he touched turned to gold, he wouldn't be able to eat or drink. And then he started weeping, realizing at what he'd lost. Well, his lovely wife came in at that moment, and seeing her husband weeping, she rushed over to console him, and she turned to gold. And suddenly King Midas realized that what he thought was a blessing had actually become a curse. If he wasn't changed back to normal soon, he would never be able to enjoy life again. So Midas quickly summoned the angel and begged him to turn him back to normal. And the angel agreed. He restored King Midas to normal and all the golden items he'd created were also restored to normal, including his beloved wife. He lost all the wealth he'd acquired, but he got his life back. Midas learned a lesson that day that we all need to learn. Not all that glitters is gold. And the way to be truly blessed isn't always what you think. Are you blessed? What does it mean to you to be blessed? See, sadly, today there are millions of people that are making the same mistake that King Midas made. They think that if they can just get rich, if they can just get possessions, if they can get more things, they will be more blessed. We're always seeking something better, always seeking something more. And too often we think the way to be blessed is to have more money, more possessions, more pleasure, more power. But in the end, does more money make you more blessed? 
is being blessed about your circumstances? Or is there something else we should be seeking when we seek to be truly blessed? Blessed is the person who obeys the law of the Lord. He doesn't follow the advice of evil people. He doesn't make a habit of doing what sinners do. He doesn't join those who make fun of the Lord and his law. Instead, the law of the Lord gives him joy. He thinks about God's law day and night. That kind of person is like a tree that is planted near a stream of water. It always bears its fruit at the right time. Its leaves don't dry up. He succeeds in everything he does. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Our scripture text for today makes it very clear that there are different views about what it means to be blessed and how to be truly blessed. The Bible talks about different opinions and different advice and different ways. But sadly, the fact is, most of the advice we get, most of the opinions of human beings about how to be blessed is wrong. A lot of people today are chasing the blessed life, but ending up very unhappy. We can see this just from the statistics of the World Health Organization. The World Health Organization predicts that by the end of this year, the second leading cause of disease in the world will be depression. More people are chasing the blessed life than ever, and yet less of us are finding it. We have more opportunities today than ever. We have more technology today than ever. We have more entertainment, more education, more of everything we think will make us happy, and yet we are less happy than ever. In fact, today it seems like everybody and their brother is chasing after the American dream. People want the American visa so they can go and live the American lifestyle. But a recent survey of American people discovered that two-thirds of Americans are unhappy. The more we chase the blessed life, the less blessed we feel in life. So today, let's discover the way to be truly blessed. And here's your first truth today. The way to be truly blessed is the opposite of our natural inclinations. Take your pen and fill in the blank with the word opposite. And this is why more people are chasing the blessed life, but less people are finding it. Because the way to be blessed is the opposite of what we naturally think. Listen again to our scripture in Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the person who does not follow the advice of evil people. He does not make a habit of doing what sinners do. He does not join with those who make fun of the Lord and his law. See, here's the problem as we seek to be blessed. Everybody seems to have their own idea. Sinners will tell you this is the way. And we get bombarded with advertisement and movies and music. Follow me and you'll be blessed. If you buy this cream, you'll be blessed. If you wear this outfit, you'll be blessed. If you drink this beer, you'll be blessed. If you listen to this music or go to this event or go here or buy this car, you will be blessed. And yet the Bible tells us the way the world devises its blessing is wrong. In the end, it leads us astray. That's why Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, touch your neighbor, say in the end, in the end, it leads to death. Probably the biggest lie that people tell us is that possessions equal blessings. Most people in the world believe that money and things are the way to be truly blessed, but is that really true? After all, if a thing could make you happy, then all we need to do in the world is give everyone his or her happy thing. 
give everyone what they think will make them happy, then the whole world will be happy and problem will be solved. But when we examine that philosophy, we see it's full of flaws. What if two people want the same thing and there's only one? What if two people want the same plot of land? What if two men want to sit in the same office? What if two women want the same man? If a thing makes you happy, then some people are doomed to be unhappy. And I found that even when you get the thing that you think will make you happy, oftentimes the happiness fades and you end up unhappy in the end. For example, some of you want a car. You think you'll be happy when you get a car. Boy, having a car will make you blessed. So you pray for a car. You struggle for a car. You use ways and means and you finally get a car. And the day after you buy the car, it breaks down and you spend all your money repairing your car. I see you trekking on the road tomorrow and you look sad. What happened? I thought you got your happy thing. But here's the point. Whether you're rich or poor does not automatically make you happy or blessed. There are many rich people who are miserable, and there are many poor people who are truly blessed. Take Jack Whitaker, for example. On Christmas Day 2002, Jack Whitaker won the biggest lottery prize in the history of the United States at that time. He won a total of three hundred and fourteen million U.S. dollars a day. He was blessed. Things are getting better. His wife and family were rejoicing. We are blessed. But was all that money actually a blessing? Since winning the lottery, Jack's life has been miserable. The money didn't bring happiness. It brought hell. After winning the lottery, the Whitakers have been robbed repeatedly. They don't know who they can trust. They don't know who their real friends are because everybody's out for a piece of the money. They've been sued to court because people want their money. Jack's been arrested several times. Their granddaughter, Brandy, died of an overdose of drugs. Their only child died. The couple got divorced. Their house burnt down. Jack's wife blamed the lottery for destroying her family. Listen to what she said. I wish I could have torn the ticket up, she told a local newspaper. Jack Whitaker agreed. This is what he said. My granddaughter is dead because of the money, he told ABC News in 2007. She was the shining star of my life, and she was what it was all about for me. You know, my wife said she wished that she'd torn the ticket up. Well, I wish that we tore the ticket up too, because all that money ruined their lives. That's why Jesus said in Luke 12, 23, for life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Your life is not about possessions. It's not about the car you drive, the house you live in, the clothes you wear, the jewelry you possess. You won't find purpose or meaning in your status on Facebook or the number of followers you have on Instagram. You can have all those things and still be truly unhappy, and you can have none of them and still be truly blessed. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. More things won't make you more happy. Happy what always leads to happy What else? 
That's why Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, those who love money will never have enough. Never pata pata. It will never be enough. How absurd, how foolish, how ridiculous, how nonsensical, how stupid to think that wealth brings true happiness. You may be happy for a while, but it fades away and you want more. If you believe a big house will make you happy, then one day you'll want a bigger house to make you happier. If you think driving a nice car will make you happy, one day you want a nicer car to make you happier. But when will you be satisfied? How much is enough? For if you always need more to make you happy, you will never be happy. That's why Jesus said in Luke 12, 15, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So if possessions are not the way to be truly blessed, what else is there? Well, the world will tell you you can either chase money or you can chase pleasure. The world will tell you what you need is a better event. You need better experiences. If you have a better event and a better experience, then you'll be truly happy. I'll be happy when I get married. I'll be happy when I have sex. I'll be happy when I get drunk. I'll be happy when I go to the party. I'll be happy when I go to Dubai. I'll be happy when I get a promotion. I'll be happy when I get my visa. I'll be happy when I get my contract. I'll be happy when I get away from that woman. I'll be happy when things change in my circumstances. We think we need better events to live the blessed life. But do better events make you truly blessed? Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. Listen carefully to what he said about pleasure. I said to myself, come now. I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. Then in verses 4 to 9 of Ecclesiastes, he says, he undertook great projects. He acquired great wealth. He achieved great success. And he comes back in verse 10 and says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. This was the man with 300 wives and 700 girlfriends. Hey! My heart took delight in all my labor. And this, this is the end. This was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. Solomon said, all you're chasing after pleasure and accomplishment is meaningless. It's chasing after the wind. It doesn't gain you anything. Oh, my friend, the Bible acknowledges that there's pleasure in sin. It says it will make you feel really good. But the Bible is very clear. Though the sin makes you feel good, it's only temporary. That's why Hebrews 11.25 says the passing pleasures of sin. Sin is temporary. It's fleeting. It doesn't last. And you only end up with a hangover, heartbreak, and a case of herpes. Because sin makes a promise of blessing that sin can't keep. And when sin wins, you lose. 
Turn your notes over to page two and consider what the Bible tells us in James chapter one, verse 15. It says these words, when these desires are allowed to remain, they lead to sin. And when sin is allowed to remain and grow, it leads to death. And let me reassure you, you are not smarter than God. You think that immorality will lead to pleasure, but God says it will lead to death. And some of you young men need to get this into your head because you met that sweet, sexy thing and she's so beautiful and you thought it would really be good. You'd really be blessed if you could spend the night together. So you slept with her and wow, it felt really good. But a couple weeks later, she calls you and says, brah, I'm pregnant. I want you to marry me. Marry her? You don't want to marry her. You're still in school. You don't want a baby. You were just looking for a good experience. One happy night. Now you have a girl you don't love, a baby you don't want, and an STD that won't go away. Congratulations, brah. You feeling blessed? Because you're not smarter than God. And God said sin leads to death. Sin kills your destiny. Sin kills your dream. Sin kills your self-esteem. Sin kills relationships. Sin kills your peace. Sin kills your hopes. Sin kills you slowly and rips your life to shreds and leaves you empty-handed. The way to be truly blessed is not through possessions. The way to be truly blessed is not through pleasure. So here's the surprising truth about the way to be truly blessed. The way to be truly blessed is an outcome of obedience to God. Take your pen and fill in the blank with the word outcome. Everybody say outcome. And listen again to Psalm 1, verses 1 and 3. Blessed is the person who obeys the law of the Lord. So do something and you'll be blessed. Blessing is an outcome. That kind of person is like a tree that is planted near a stream of water. It always bears its fruit at the right time. Its leaves don't dry up. He succeeds in everything he does. So our text from the Bible makes it plain. When you obey God, you will be truly blessed. But notice what else the Bible tells us here. The Bible links blessing to growing a tree and bearing fruit. Why does God use the analogy of growing a tree and bearing fruit to talk about the blessed life? Because the fact is, being truly blessed is an outcome. It's not a thing you buy. It's not a one-time experience. The blessed life is a fruit you grow from repeated actions. Being truly blessed is an outcome of obedience. The blessed life is something that you reap when you sow the right seed. In fact, this is what Jesus himself taught us in his very first sermon. He'd waited for 30 years to begin his ministry, and now he gathers his disciples on the mount, on the Sermon on the Mount, and he begins to teach them. Remember, this is his first lesson, and what does he begin with? He begins teaching them how to be blessed, what it means to be truly blessed, because God wants you blessed. But listen to what he says. It's opposite what you think. He says, blessed life is an outcome. He said, blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus had 30 years to prepare this message, and he comes out talking about blessing, not about heaven or hell, not about prayer and prophecy. He wants you to have a blessed life, but it's not what you think. He says you've got to do something in order to be blessed. First comes the action, then comes the happiness. First you show mercy, then you get mercy. First you're meek, then you inherit the 
the earth. First you make peace, and then you're a child of God. First you become something, and then you become blessed. So here's the truth you need to put on your keychain and carry along with you. Happiness doesn't just happen. Being truly blessed is subject to the law of sowing and reaping. That's the truth we learned from the Bible in 1 Peter chapter 3, 10 and 11. Listen carefully. If, if you want to enjoy life, anybody want to enjoy life? That sounds like a blessing to me. If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days. Anybody want to see many happy days? Come on, lift your hands and shout yes. You want to enjoy life, see many happy days, do this. Keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. To enjoy life and see many happy days is an outcome of your action. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. If you want to be truly blessed, the Bible says do these things. Being blessed isn't a freak accident. Being blessed isn't luck. Being blessed isn't karma for good works you do. It's an outcome for people who practice the habits that lead to being blessed. Listen to the last verse especially. If you want to be blessed, search for peace and work to maintain it. In other words, the blessed life takes effort. You have to develop habits that lead to the outcome of blessing. Happiness doesn't just happen. God is good, and he gives us sometimes unusual circumstances, spontaneous circumstances. Maybe you're at the mall, and suddenly you see a friend you went to in high school. You went to high school together. You haven't seen them in 15 years, and it's a happy reunion. Think, well, this was just a happy instance. But realize that it's happy because you built over the years and invested in your friendship. Happiness requires that you invest in doing the things that lead to blessing. Don't walk in the way of sinners. Don't listen to the wicked. Meditate on God's word. Follow God's ways. Being blessed requires that we do what God says. And to do that, we have to see what God sees. That's the lesson we can learn from an old beggar man named Joe. Joe was probably the picture of unhappiness. He was poor. He had nothing to his name except an old backpack. Inside, he kept a few old pieces of junk, an old water bottle, an old keychain, nothing really valuable at all. Joe was miserable because not only was he poor in physical possession, he was poor in his attitude. He was always grumbling and complaining, God, why don't you bless me? God, my life is miserable. God, I'm so unhappy. I have nothing. I have nothing. Well, one day old Joe was walking along the road with his backpack, grumbling and complaining when all of a sudden a thief came along and grabbed his backpack, snatched it from him, and ran off down the road. Hey, 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 Joe shouted. But it was too late. The thief was gone and so was Joe's sack. The poor beggar had lost the little that he had. He sat down on the road and started crying, oh God, my sack, my sack. But God was kind, and as that thief carried the sack and rounded a corner in the road, he saw a venomous snake in the road, and the thief became so alarmed, he dropped the sack and ran into the bush. So as Joe came along the road, weeping and crying and complaining, suddenly he came upon his sack. He rushed over and opened it, and lo and behold, everything was still inside. And what did Joe do? He started rejoicing. Hallelujah, hallelujah, my sack, my sack. Oh, thank you, God, for blessing me. Hey, wait a minute, Joe. 
The sack that made you unhappy now makes you happy. You've gone from miserable to blessed, but nothing really changed. You had an old backpack before and got an old backpack now, but your outlook changed. And your outlook has more to do with your blessings than your circumstances. If you approach life with joy and gratitude, you'll have joy and gratitude coming back to you. If you approach life with complaining and negativity and anger, you'll never find happiness. In fact, when you understand that happiness and the blessed life is not dependent on your circumstances, it's dependent on your internal attitude, then you can always be blessed. You don't need blessed circumstances. You need a blessed Savior inside of you. This is why Jesus said, You can be blessed when you're persecuted. You can be blessed when you're meek. You can be blessed when you're weak because the blessed life doesn't depend on what's happening around me. It depends on what's happening inside of me. I have no control over the circumstances of life, but I can control the way I live. And if the blessed life is a result of right living, then I can control that. It doesn't come automatically. It doesn't come immediately. But when you do the right thing and sow the right seed, true blessing will come to you from God. If you believe it, say amen. If you give to others, God will enrich you. If you serve others, they will come and serve you. If you invest in God in his kingdom and give your life away in love, then you will find joy and peace and purpose. That's why Proverbs 3.18 says, wisdom is a tree of life for those who take firm hold of it. Those who cling to it are blessed. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. If being truly blessed is an outcome of obedience, then you can choose to be truly blessed. You can do things now that will lead to the outcome of the blessed life later. In fact, every single one of us can plan to be blessed. I plan to be blessed in my life because I'm going to do the things and sow the seed that will lead to the outcome of blessing. That brings us to our third truth today. The way to be truly blessed is an option you must choose. Take your pen and fill in the blank with the word option. Understand, first of all, the way to be truly blessed is opposite your natural inclination. Then number two, understand the way to be truly blessed is an outcome to obedience. And if that's the case, then number three is also true. The way to be truly blessed is an option you must choose. You can choose today to live the blessed life. You can choose today to begin down the road to walk on the path that will lead you to be blessed. That's why Jesus said in John 13, 17, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. To get to the outcome of being blessed, you have to obey. To obey, you have to simply follow Jesus. And see, that's good news for all of us because Jesus has come to make a way for you and I to walk the path of blessing. Jesus has come to open up for us the opportunity to have all the blessings that God desires for us in this life and in the life to come. Jesus has come to invite you and I to turn away from the advice of the world, to turn away from what we think naturally will lead to blessing and to begin to follow his wisdom and his word. Because the truth is, to be truly blessed doesn't come from possessions or pleasure. Being blessed comes from the person of Jesus Christ. You don't need a what to be blessed. You need a who. That's why the Bible says in Psalm 144, 15, blessed is the people of whom this is true. Blessed is the people whose God is the Lord. And that's what God is offering you today. 
He's offering you an invitation to come in and accept his love, accept his favor, and begin to walk with him on the path to being blessed. It's a blessing that you can never buy. It's a blessing you could never experience in this world. It's the blessing of knowing that your sins are forgiven, that every past mistake is under the blood and forgotten, remembered no more. It's a blessing of knowing the peace that comes from being connected to your creator. It's the blessing of knowing that you have a purpose in life. You were created for a reason. It's the blessing of knowing the joy that you're going to be in heaven with Christ. It's the blessing of knowing that he works all things for good. The blessing of knowing that he came to give you life, abundant life. It's the blessing of receiving Jesus Christ. But here's the truth we all need to remember this morning. The choice is up to you. God never forces his blessings on anybody. He never takes us and crams the blessings down our throat. He gives us the option. He calls us and invites us and says, follow me. And together we will see the blessed life manifest in you. But you've got to make that decision. You've got to get up today and turn away from the things that don't work and follow the things that do. You have to receive Christ by faith in your heart. That's the lesson we can learn from a man named Thomas Martinez. Thomas Martinez was living on the streets, a poor beggar in the city of Santa Cruz de la Sierra in the nation of Bolivia. Thomas had not always lived on the street. In fact, at a time, he'd had a normal life. He was married to Inez. He had a job, a house, everything that any one of us could have wanted in a simple fashion. But something took hold in Thomas' life, and as he began chasing blessings according to his own reasoning, he got caught up in drugs and alcohol. He thought that, that the booze would make him feel better, that the drugs would take away the pain. So he sought the ways of the world, and he chased it down until sin captured his heart, addiction gripped his life, and death entered in. Thomas lost his home, lost his family, lost his job, lost his name, his reputation, lost his hope, lost his wife, Inez, and ended up on the streets of Santa Cruz de la Sierra in the nation of Bolivia. One day in the year 2000, police came looking for Thomas. When Thomas found out, he was panicked. He thought they were coming to arrest him for his drug possession. Thomas didn't want to go to jail, so he fled. Somehow he managed to elude the police and disappear without a trace. But what Thomas didn't know is the police were not coming to arrest him. They weren't coming to capture him. The police had been sent by the court because a family member had died and left an inheritance for Thomas, an inheritance worth six million U.S. dollars. And the police were coming to tell him, come to court, you've got an inheritance, your name is in the will, we want to disperse the money to you. But Thomas didn't know, so he ran away. Thomas never got his millions. The police never found him. The newspapers in Bolivia call him the millionaire who didn't know his fortune. And today there are millions of people like Thomas Martinez, millions of millionaires who don't know their fortune. For ahead of us, offered to us, free by his grace, is an everlasting inheritance in the kingdom of God. We can have our sins forgiven. We can have new life inside. We can live with him for eternity if only we'll ignore the ways of the world and follow the ways of Jesus. 
But sadly, most of us run away. We think God's come to punish us. We think God's come to, to deal with us. And so we run and hide, misunderstanding the grace. Don't be like Thomas. Don't be like those who reject the invitation and the source of blessing. Jesus is calling you today. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how far you've gone, no matter how long you've been away from church, Jesus is calling you today. It's never too late. You can turn away. Don't listen to the world. Don't listen to the ungodly. Begin to focus on following Jesus. For receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's the way to be truly blessed. In just a minute, I want to give you that opportunity. I'm going to invite you to raise your hand and pray along with me. But first, would you all stand together with me all across the auditorium in the balcony? God bless you for coming today. Thank you for joining us. This is a moment, though, that we're here for you. We want to pray with you. We want to bless you. Here's what I want to do. If you would bow your head and close your eyes. Today, if there's someone in the room, you say, I'm here. God's speaking to me. I want to turn my life into a new direction. I want to embrace the blessing that God has for me. Would you just slip up your hand right now wherever you are. Thank you, my brother. Thank you in the front. Thank you in the back. God bless you waving there in the back. In the balcony, God bless you, brothers and sisters. Here's what we want to do. We want to pray with you and give you something. So we're inviting you. Everybody that raised their hand, would you just step forward? Come and face me here so that we can take a moment and pray with you. Just step out right now and join Reverend Andy Simpson at the front. Thank you. God bless you. Take a moment and come from the back, from the balcony. We welcome you here. We're going to wait for just a minute let you come. God bless you, son, in the balcony. Today's the day you say, I've slipped away. I've backslidden. I'm not practicing my faith. Maybe you're not praying like you used to. You've left church. Maybe you're here today. You say, I used to be a Christian, but right now I'm not really following God. I need to get back on track. Today's the day for you. It's a time to rededicate your life. Every buddy in the house, would you pray? Join me right now. Father, we pray for every man and woman in the house. Lord, we ask that they would hear your invitation that you would call them clearly. Lord, draw us near to you. Speak to our hearts, oh God. Bring them to the altar today to say yes to you, to yes to the blessed life, yes to following you. Father, we commit them into your hands now in the name of Jesus, and we bind every work of the devil that would hinder them or lie to them in the name of Jesus. Loose your spirit now. Move in us, oh God. Come upon us. Change us, we pray, for your glory and honor. We thank you, and we bless you now. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.